we'd like to welcome you to our emergency freedom alerts for July 26, 2021. And uh, got a gigantic study today. Absolutely mind-blowing material to cover. Uh, literally was posting things all the way up until just before I went to record just now. I mean, I'm, I'm adding things in. And like I said, I think last week, a lot of times I'm starting in the next study before I'm even done with the other one. The news is breaking. I can't include everything in a lot of times, so I have to kind of just push it to next week a little bit. But this is very, it's very, very current, the information that we're going to be covering. And um, very, very important stuff. And uh, we'll get into that soon. We're going to go ahead and rotate our warfare prayers. And this is the um, the prayer against witchcraft. This is a good one to pray <clears throat> regarding really yourself and your family and the body of Christ. You know, one, two, three times a week uh, <clears throat> is very, very good. Uh, I have this one in my Bible. It's one of the ones I pray uh, more frequently than others. So. I'll go ahead and start us out in a word of prayer. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we plead the precious, uncorruptible blood of Jesus over the body of Christ, the innocent, ourselves, our families, and everything that belongs to us. We ask for giant warrior angels or whatever kind of angels are necessary to be loose from heaven, to surround us and protect us. As your war club and weapons of war, we break down, undam, and blow up all walls of protection around all witches, warlocks, wizards, Satanists, and the like that are attacking us. And by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we break their power and all their curses, hexes, vexes, spells, charms, fetishes, psychic prayers, psychic thought, all witchcraft, sorcery, magic, voodoo, all mind control, jinxes, potions, bewitchments, death, destruction, sickness, pain, torment, psychic power, psychic warfare, prayer chains, and everything else being sent our way or our family members' way or to the body of Christ and the innocent. And we return it and the demons and the devils and the evil entities and the fallen angels to the senders right now sevenfold and we bind it to them by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray these lost souls will find a light of your son Jesus. Their own snares and traps have been set against themselves. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we now loose them from all mind control of Satan. Father, we also ask you bind the Holy Spirit to their hearts as a guide to your son Jesus, so that they may be set free from the bondages of Satan. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And this is good to pray too, because you might think, well, I'm not engaged in any direct witchcraft battles. Well, <clears throat> yes, you really are, because no matter where you live, and particularly in localities, there are witches in that area that are assigned to any Christians. Now, they may not know you know, you by name. I don't know. I, I'm not 100% sure exactly how that all works. But uh, they're coming against any and all real Christians that are actually, you know, bearing good fruit, trying to make a difference for the Lord. And I don't mean like they're trying to earn their way to heaven. I mean they're just good fruit will follow salvation or it should follow and um, the Bible talks about, you know, the seed bearing 30, 60, 100 fold type of thing. So everybody's different. Everybody has different callings. Everybody has different uh, fruit bearing capacities. Um, everybody has different levels of faith. Um, the Bible talks about that where, where each man is appointed a, 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 a portion, a certain measure of faith. Okay. If you lack faith, then you ask for more. You can ask for more. The Bible is very clear about that. But faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So that's how you build up your faith primarily, is listening to and or memorizing or reading the word of God. Um, and without, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So you can't be like, 
people that go out and, and like let's say they're in some kind of pseudo Christian cult and they're out there trying to engage Satan on the battlefield and they're not even saved. Okay? And they're let's say they're a Catholic and they're they're not even saved. They're they're in some Catholic death cult, uh, which is totally works based. You're earning your way to heaven and even then there's no real guarantee. I mean you gotta go through the seven sacraments and all the other garbage they put you through. Um <clears throat> It's not by works whereby we're justified before God. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ, his shed blood, his finished work on the cross, and our faith in that. Okay, But works will follow. Okay, work, Good works should follow salvation. You just don't want to put the cart before the horse. Now, if you're not understanding what I'm talking about with salvation, go to contendingfortruth.com, click on the true salvation tab in the upper right-hand corner-ish, and there's a whole list of teachings there to listen to, which will walk you through the whole thing regarding salvation. Okay, so let's get into the study more. I'm um, just going to do a quick Bible study on some verses in Isaiah 8 and 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. So Isaiah 8.13 says, Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself, and let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. So God is who we are to fear. Okay, we're not to fear man. The fear of man bringeth a snare. We're not to fear all the impending things that may be, you know, coming upon the world. Um, the Bible talks about, it says, be careful for nothing. And what that word actually means is full of care. Now, I know that's about impossible to do in today's day and age. And it's easier said than done. But the Bible talks about, you know, you know, um, that one verse. I was thinking of Isaiah 26, 3. That will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. And meaning stayed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, because he trusteth in thee. Trust also implies faith. You know, if you don't, how are you going to trust in the Lord Jesus if you don't have faith to believe he can deliver you? You know, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Proverbs uh, 3. So, um, these are things we want to always acknowledge him in all our ways then he will direct our paths so it's dependent upon that the the problem that i see that happens to a lot of christians especially in the leadership levels is they stop acknowledging god as the bestower of all benefits in their life of of every single thing every breath they take the every you know the, the shelter, the water they drink, the, the food that they eat, the air that they breathe, um, the talents that were given to them, um, <clears throat> and then pride comes in. And when pride comes in, it blinds you. And you always go off in left field chasing fly balls when pride comes in. Pride is the opposite of humility. Pride is the opposite of the fear of God. Because humility and fear of God are tied together. Now, I've done tons of studies on all these subjects. You can key them in in the search box at contendingfortruth.com. But it's, it's vital um, that we stay humble before God and that humility is connected with the fear of God. But it says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, on Jesus Christ, because he trusteth in thee. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. For he bringeth down them that dwell on high, the lofty city he layeth it low, he layeth it low, even to the ground, he bringeth it even to the dust. And that's what's coming for the wicked, you know. Just because we don't see it right now, remember, the film is being developed. 
when you do like a, those old Polaroid cameras, you, when they first come out, it's just a gray picture. Then you turn it over on, on like a, now, some, some of you may not be aware of what I'm talking about, the old Polaroid cameras that actually took a picture and that developed right there. Like within, I don't know, a couple, two, three, four minutes, I don't know. But it, it took a while for that to happen. And that's what we're seeing right now. I mean, <clears throat> we're, not, we're not at the end of the, of the tribulation yet where Jesus comes back and, you know, the battle of Armageddon and all that stuff. We're not there yet. Okay, we're not even in the tribulation yet. Like a lot of, you know, um, and I've done whole studies on why we're not in the tribulation yet. There's all these biblical parameters that have not been fulfilled. I, no matter what it looks like with COVID, we're not there yet. We're, we're, there's a lot of stuff that has to be fulfilled, and um, I haven't got a whole file on it, but I believe even if you can, um, tribulation, why we're not there, you should find the, the little study I did on that. Uh, anyway, let's go back to the uh, verses here. So, Isaiah 8, 13, Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself, let him be your fear, let him be your dread, and he shall be for a sanctuary. So, meaning, if, if you do fear God, Okay, and and who does who does the Lord dwell with? The Bible says, "Him that that is of a contrite heart and trembleth at my word." That's who He chooses to dwell with. Okay. So as I'm doing this, just these verses just keep flooding into my head. And it's the Holy Spirit. The, Jesus said, "It's better that I go, for when I go, I will send the Comforter and capital C, the Holy Spirit, and He'll cause all things I've taught you to be brought into remembrance." Now I'm paraphrasing there a little bit, but it's what He said. So it was expedient, it said, for Jesus to go because then we, if we, he didn't go, we wouldn't have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. Okay, so that was, that was why, uh, you know, that'll happen. So um, Psalm, uh, let's see here. Okay, yeah, uh, Isaiah 57, 15. For thus saith the, saith the high and lofty one, capital O, meaning God, that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place. With him, who does God dwell with? With him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. Contrite and humble are basically kind of interchangeable. They cross-define one another. The Bible does a, a lot of that in the Word of God. It'll say one term and then another term, and they basically mean the same thing. A contrite and humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Okay, but that's who he dwells with. The, and then the Bible says in Psalm 34, 18, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Most of the time when people get saved, I mean, you, you don't get saved in a proud way. Like, oh, well, God, I'm going to do you the favor, and, you know, I'm going to let you save me, or something, you know. No, um, that's why so much of the time when people get saved, they're broken, they're at their lowest point a lot of time. They've they've reached their wits end, you know. They they're and that's the way that's the way it has to happen for a lot of people. My parents, literally on their deathbeds, both of them. It wasn't like that for me. I mean, I, and that doesn't mean I'm better. It's just everybody's different, you know. I got saved reading that book in Route to Global Occupation by Gary Kaw. Told about the UN and and the coming New World Order and the One World Government under Antichrist. That was how I got saved. And so when it got to the salvation part, I'm like, man, yeah, praise God, I'm all in. But not everybody's different. Everybody's a little bit, you know, um, different in the way that that may happen. 
Uh, the Bible says in Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou will not despise. So, um, that's how God operates. He dwells with the contrite. He dwells with the humble. He dwells with those that fear him. And if, if anybody that is out there in leadership, the, 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 the thing they've got to guard against, and I mean, I've never seen more heretical garbage in my life on the internet and, and just what goes on in the 501c3 so-called Christian circles. I've never, and so much of the time, pride is connected with it. And the lust for riches, because it's all about the money, you know? The love of money is the root of all evil. So um, you're not going to see that any here. I'm, I'm, you're never going to hear me begging for money or, or, or oh, you've got to send me. I'll send you a, what. I, I, that's never going to happen here ever. You know, God forbid. <laughs> never, 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 never. If I, had to, if I ever had to resort to that, I need to get out of ministry. I need to just do some. God's got something else for me or whatever because um, I don't see any Bible at all either old nor new that instructs the pastors or the bishops or the elders or whatever you want to call yourself to beg for money. Now, I've done a teaching on the New Testament concept of giving. Um, and it's not the Old Testament Levitical tithe. Okay? It's different, okay? Um, if God's convicting you to tithe 10% of your whatever income, that's great. You do as God leads you. Um, and, and that's how... New Testament giving is, but it was primarily for um, widows, orphans, the poor, um, those in the church congregation that that maybe were uh, indigent and and maybe um, widows, orphans couldn't earn a living type of thing. It was primary. It wasn't to build gigantic church edifices and yoke up with the government with some corporate status and do and abide by whatever parameters the government laid down for you to follow. And also there was no denominations either. One saith I'm of Apollos, one saith I'm of Paul, one saith I'm of Jesus. Is Christ divided? God forbid. That's what the Bible says. We just got into those verses again. So there was a lot of things they did in the, in the early New Testament church that are absolutely, totally different than the way it exists today. And you have to think, well, which was better? Well, which bore better fruit? Well, obviously the, the uh, New Testament church bore like 100 times better, whatever, however many times better fruit overall than what we got today. Well, again, what, what, were we, what should we be expecting in today's day and age? Second Thessalonians chapter 2. You know, for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned to receive not the love of the truth, but had pleasure and unrighteousness. That's kind of what we're to expect, right? I mean, you know, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, 2 Timothy 2.13. And you, you look at Revelation, you look at Daniel, you look at Matthew 24. The Bible did not predict this was going to be a time of, of like the church is going to go forth as a conquering hero. Well, if you believe in dominionism, like a, like a lot of the times they teach with the internet prophets online and the TBNs and 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 the uh, Pentecostals and the, and the Charismatics, you know they believe that they're going to take back the planet. That Revelation and Daniel and all this other stuff are not going to be fulfilled because they're so good and they're so righteous that. Jesus Christ is going to have no choice but to come back and set up his throne. 
They're that diluted. Well, and again, it all goes back to what is your foundational belief system based on? Mine is the King James Bible. Okay, and I don't deviate from that. Therefore, you're not going to see me flip-flopping on a whole bunch of stuff like I see so much of the time with internet supposed prophets. Well, I hope they're getting it right 100% of the time because according to Deuteronomy 18, unless you nail it 100% of the time, you're not of God. You're not hearing from God and we're supposed to ignore them and go away from them. Listen, a little leaven leaven at the whole lump. That doesn't mean like I think I'm perfect, but I also don't claim to be a prophet. Okay? I just claim to be a watchman. That's it. And if you got something like there, oh, thus saith the Lord, oh boy, you you probably won't hear me say that unless I have a direct encounter with God. You never heard me say that. You know, that's fear and trembling for me. Uh, I'm not a prophet, okay? And I have yet to see one modern day prophet that is consistently 100% nailing it every single time. But it doesn't matter to most people because they just keep following them or they'll go to the next prophet and and it doesn't matter how many prophecies they get wrong. Their time depends. It doesn't matter. As a dog returneth to his own vomit, this is where the Bible talks about things like this. You don't want to do that. If somebody you're following is giving false prophecies, you leave them. You do not follow them. And that's what Deuteronomy 18 says. Well, it says, be not, be not afraid of them. It, it basically implies, do not follow them. They're going to give you bad advice. 50% of the time is not good enough. 70% of the time, it's 100%. Deuteronomy 18, test of a prophet. And then you go to Deuteronomy 13, and it gives you further parameters. Because they could be getting it right. Say you went to a fortune teller. Oh, wow, she got it right. She nailed it. I've seen a fortune teller nail it to my mom. So read her mail. It was right next to her when it happened. I've told that story. That doesn't mean she's of God, though. She's going to lead my mom away from God. And that's another parameter. Well, then you you leave them, too. So you just got to be super, super careful. We're, we're in a bigger minefield now than, than has ever existed since the history of humanity regarding all the different devices of Satan. And if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect, according to Matthew 24. And that's straight from Jesus Christ. The false prophets and in, in these types of things, ministers. So gotta be super careful. Um, so Isaiah eight fourteen, and he shall be for a sanctuary. That's to them that fear him. But for a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both houses of Israel. Now that is what Jesus Christ currently is to modern day Israel. Blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in according to the book of Romans. It's very clear. Doesn't mean we um, despise Israel. The Bible says do not do that in Romans. It said do not despise the natural branches. But understand for right now, for by and large, for the most part, they're enemies of the cross, but they're still beloved for the Father's sake. Well, when they finally get their eyes open near the end of the seven-year tribulation, according to what the word of God says in Zechariah, they're going to look upon the one whom they've pierced and mourn for him as one that mourns for his only begotten son. 
That's when they're finally going to get their eyes, and I think that's when the fullness of the Gentiles will finally be complete. I mean, if you look at it from a scriptural standpoint, the, the, the emphasis is going to shift back, shift back onto Israel. So, um, but for now, there's uh, God is a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both houses of Israel. Now, I understand you could say, well, this was this was in the Old Testament, Isaiah. For I, I understand, but okay, this was a time when Israel was in rebellion to God, and there were many times that that was the case in the Old Testament, and we're there again. <laughs> we're there again right now in modern day. And when did that start? Well, basically, when they rejected the Son of God collectively and said give us barabbas the murderer when they could have when they could have said well we're going to pardon jesus we're not going to crucify him you know Pilate was asking them and they said no 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 crucify jesus give us barabbas and let the basically i'm paraphrasing let the blood of jesus be upon us and our children from that point forward they were kind of you know they brought a curse on themselves they asked for the blood, the innocent blood of Jesus Christ to be basically, and I don't mean well, apply the blood in a good way. They asked for that innocent blood. Um, it was like a curse that they were asking for. And this is, a, this is probably the main reason why collectively blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. Now, I did, I've done studies on all these subjects dedicated ones um one is the affliction of israel why for the just key that in that's a very old one but we covered all the verses um so but for a stone of stumbling and for a rock of offense to both houses of israel for again and a snare again is is like a trap and then it also then and it says a snare which defines gin essentially uh to the inhabitants of jerusalem uh so then it reminded me of these verses, 1 Peter 2, 7 through 10. Unto you, therefore, which believe, meaning believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he, meaning Jesus Christ, is precious. Okay. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, meaning the unsaved, the stone which the builders disallowed, which is Jesus Christ is the, is the chief cornerstone, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Where did we, didn't we just hear that? Yeah, in Isaiah 8, 14. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word. Because most people, if you think about it, the biggest reason they do not become Christians a lot of the time is because they stumble at his word. They don't like what they they're hearing they want the big guy in the sky the heavenly bellhop you know um, say a little prayer maybe we're good for the rest of my life live like the devil live any way i want to live that doesn't work that way okay uh, that's not showing fruit and, and i don't mean workspace salvation but that's not showing fruit that you ever were saved okay and somebody that can live like that Say, oh yeah, I prayed a prayer 20 years ago and I've I've lived like the devil ever since or essentially or just any way I wanted to live. Well, the Bible says, whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. And that means chasteneth, chastise, mean he can spank you if you're his kid, essentially. 
He can discipline you if you're his own. And if you be without chastisement, then you're bastards. Well, what's, what's a bastard? It's an illegitimate son or, or well, or daughter. So if you see no chastisement of God on somebody that is, um, says they're a Christian, but living a totally different way, well, then they're not saved. You know, by their fruit, you shall know them. Okay, so uh, let's go back to this. Uh, so a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Hmm. Now, this is where we get into this really kind of area that I don't can't fully explain. You go to Jude, the first part of Jude, because it's only one chapter, and it says, you know, men of old, men who were ordained unto this condemnation. These wicked men, they talk about creeping into the church. They were ordained to it. The Bible talks about vessels of wrath fitted for God's destruction. The fitted means prepared ahead of time. Vessels of wrath. They were prepared ahead of time? Yeah. The Bible says the wicked go astray from the womb. They speak lies as soon as they be born. The Bible talks about the wheat and the tares. Well, can if you are a tear, which is like a weed, and you're wheat. Wheat is good. Okay. A tear, can a tear ever become wheat? No, it's a totally different species of plant. Well, I would think a tear is appointed to the fire that it's ultimately cast into. Now, I don't understand any of this. I say that with fear and trembling. I don't say that like we're better. But there is a lot of biblical concepts out there for this concept where they were appointed to these things. You know, just praise the Lord Jesus Christ, you weren't. And, and, and again, it's God's business to weed all that out. No pun intended there. Um, with the tares and the wheat, but it's God's business. I mean, I don't think we should go around oh, saying, well, he can't get saved or she can't. I mean, you know, I mean, there's certain instances, I think, you look at somebody like Biden, the child molester in chief and these types of people and people at high level government that have no conscience, no, and they've always, you know, the, the, it's pretty safe assumption that they're a vessel of wrath fitted, meaning prepared ahead of time for God's destruction. They were wicked always. And they were probably Illuminati bloodline. They may not be even fully human, so... But anyway, um, next verse in First Peter 2, 9. But ye, meaning the saved, are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Praise the Lord. Now that's good news there. Woo, if that don't get you fired up, your wood's wet. Praise the Lord. Show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Because that's, you know, you when you get saved, you're, you're coming out of darkness. Some are in more darkness than others. <laughs> you know, I was, in pretty, I was in pretty bad darkness myself. And then the next verse, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which is like the body of Christ, where we weren't a because the body of Christ is of, is of all, you know, color, creed, you name it. And there, and, and not to say that a Jew can't get saved. There's obviously saved Jews right now. It's just that by and large, in the main, 
blindness in part has happened in Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. But that doesn't mean, I mean, hey, the, the apostles were all Jewish and, and they ministered primarily, uh, at least initially, to Jews. And then more, then as more, as time moved by, more things uh, got to where they were emphasizing going to the Gentiles more. They had, they had visited the Jews and, and, and a lot of the Jewish cities where, and then they started going more to the Gentiles. Um, so, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy. Well, you, you didn't have, you didn't obtain mercy before salvation, but now have obtained mercy through the Lord Jesus Christ, his shed blood and his death, burial and resurrection, his finished work on the cross. So then we go back to Isaiah eight fifteen, and many among them shall stumble. Now this is in this regard, it's referring to an old, the Old Testament Jews during a time that they were in rebellion to God, like they are now. Okay, and there were many times in the Old Testament. Sometimes there were times though the Jews were pretty much good with God. I mean, there were times, but more often than not, they weren't. I mean, just read the Old Testament. I mean, it'll bear that out real easy. So, and many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. Uh, and when they shall say unto you, now this is this would be in this context, the Old Testament Jews, Israel that was in rebellion to God, when they shall say unto you, but they could apply to like um, it could apply to a um, some apostate Christian denomination today, or or some cult could say this. When they say unto you, seek unto them that have familiar spirits and unto wizards that peep and that mutter. Wizards, witchcraft, uh, those of familiar spirits, that's uh, like soothsayers and um, uh, the gypsies and, and uh, a lot of the gypsies that are involved in fortune telling and uh, mediums and witches and these types of things. These are the ones that have familiar spirits and wizards so i hate to say it but wizards that peep and mutter most modern day false prophets would fall into this category especially if they're speaking in false tongues think about that which is extremely common in pentecostal charismatic circles okay I, that's like an old an old timey more king james way peep and mutter of you know but think about it. If they're speaking in false tongues right now, they're peeping and they're muttering and they're, they're wizards, essentially. They're, they're not serving God. Um, should not a people seek unto their God? Meaning, are we to go to witches and warlocks to seek the will of God or to seek what we need to do in our lives? Uh, I don't think so. Should not a people seek unto... Meaning, get on, the, get on your knees, pray fast, do whatever it takes, but... Whatever you got to do to see God, do that. For the um, for the living to the dead. So, um, I, I think meaning the living seeking the dead, meaning they're um, like, oh, I'm trying to get a word from um, old Aunt Margaret that passed away to the great beyond. She wasn't a Christian ever, but I'm I'm seeking her through a medium, through a fortune teller and i'm trying to get how are you doing aunt margaret and what should i do with my life and the people do this stuff this is this is seeking familiar spirits the spirits that 
emanated and operated through dearly departed Aunt Margaret, the, the w wicked spirits that emanated and operated through her, will then inhabit the witch that is summoning her. And a lot of times the witch will go into an altered state and she'll, she'll talk just like dearly departed Aunt Margaret, have all of her mannerisms, her voice, her inflections, everything. Why? Because, well, that spirit lived in her, her whole life. She is familiar with Aunt Margaret. I'm using that as just an example. It's called a familiar spirit. They're familiar with the actions of a person who's passed on. Typically, in this case, you know, somebody that is went to hell. And a lot of people will just believe that because, oh, it's got to be her. And Aunt Margaret's in a better place and she was never a Christian. So therefore, I don't need to be a Christian because she's in a better. Do you realize that is one of the biggest con jobs of Satan that he's got in his arsenal? That's going to take so many people to hell. Just that one thing I just said. Oh, it's got to be. How could the how could the witch or the fortune teller know if if. How could they have known, you know, all this stuff if, 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 if they weren't operating in truth? Well, you better see who they're pointing to at the end of the day. Because even if they gave you the truth, that, that fortune teller gave my mom the truth that time we were in that seance type thing, weird thing I went to when I was like, I don't know, probably 18, 19. She, she read her mail. She nailed it, man. How? She, her, the familiar spirits in the witch that had went into a trance up front in front of the room was going person to person and reading everyone's mail. Now, by that I mean they were telling intimate things about this person that, like in my mom's case, there's, I mean, there's no way she could have known it unless the, her familiar spirits were communicating with my mom's familiar spirits. But you're not seeing that interaction. So she looks like she's some, oh, wow, big deal thing, when all it is is a, is a demonic exchange of information. If the devil can take you to hellfire over something like that, don't you think he will? And this is how a lot of people get uh, snagged into witchcraft. I, I mean, I was right there. <laughs> I experienced it. I was even pretty blown away. She told my mom, she says, you've lost a child. And I'm, I'm and then... I look at my mom and she's nodding her head and I'm like, what? What are you talking about? He was a boy. My mom's shaking her head. He was, he was before your son. I mean, because I was right next to her and she's shaking her head. I'm, I'm pretty sure this is how it went down. And I don't, I don't know what she said about that, about, I don't know, you need to do this or that or whatever, because I don't know. But she had miscarried like a year before I was born. And this witch is over here telling her this had happened. And my mom had never ever in my whole life or my dad ever uttered anything about it i think that's the baby they kind of had playing and i wasn't planned and i think that was i guess my brother yeah it was my brother yeah obviously um it would have been my older brother by about a year i don't think i was playing i think maybe that soured my mom maybe it hurt her so much that she didn't even want to try again i don't know but i always know my mom never bonded with me and i never could bond with my mom you know i mean i was right there at, on her deathbed man and and you know i was there and and i was holding her hand as she went to be with the lord and i had praise god we led her to the lord 
and she had some clarity of mind. Uh, if you want to hear more about that, key and mom, mom's passing, my mom's passing, and then you can do my dad's passing, or just keep passing. You'll find them. Really powerful stuff. Praise the Lord. Really, hopefully, encouragement to the body of Christ. Because there, there's two that basically kind of got saved. I mean, my mom wasn't on her deathbed at that time, but I, she could have died that day. My dad definitely was. But um, there was something with my mom that I could never, ever bond with her. You know, And I remember that I went one time and, and did this machine, and I had no idea that it was a... It was like a alternative medicine type of analysis machine that was just unbelievable. But then I realized that had to, there had to be a big demonic component. It was all computerized and everything. But they were telling me during the analysis, they're like, they're like did you realize that you were, um, you were actually not expected and that you actually um, weren't wanted and that affected you from the womb? I, I really believe that thing was... Right. Now, it had some type of familiar spirit that knew this or was communicating it through the computer. There was a lot of Christians that were starting to get snagged with this machine, and I started warning them about it. A missionary, in fact. Because, man, it's impressive. I'm telling you, the devil's got all kind of devices out there to snag you and snare you. But it confirmed to me what I kind of always knew. That I wasn't really, you know, and I could never bond with my mom for some reason. Didn't mean I hated her. Didn't mean I didn't like her. Didn't mean I didn't love her. I just never could really, as violent as my dad was, as much of a psychopath. I mean, you, you think you've seen temper, man. I mean, maybe you have, but my dad was a whole other level of psychopath. I, I am talking... He would scare big, tough, grown men into absolute submission when he went off. Absolutely was like that from a very early age. Star football player. I've heard stories that when my dad left, um, the uh, played for a team called Columbiana, uh, Ohio, That's where he grew up. I heard that, that um, not from my dad, but from, I believe, his friends, that when he left, I don't think it was from my dad. I heard, I heard stories from other of his friends. He was so feared that they had at least, I think, a double turnout the, after the year he graduated because there were so many guys afraid to get on the football team because he was so brutal to his um, uh, teammates. He had showed no mercy, no mercy. And I always, I asked my dad, he had all kind of division one scholarships. And I said, why didn't you take it? And he says, partly it was my grades. He says, but partly he says, I played so violent and so hard. I knew instinctively that if I went into the college level, I don't know, he might've been able to turn pro that my body wasn't going to hold up. I just, and I believed him. I believed him. He got. He told me that when he was growing up, he said, "Unless I get in, uh, unless I got in at least one fist fight per week, it, I considered it a bad week." And his dad, his his brother, did all kind of really sadistic things to him. You know, like they would. The, my grandma, and grandpa were pie makers, and they would. His brother would like. His older brother would put him in the the oven, and shut the door and turn the gas on and stuff. And his friends would, and they would, they would like make him fight his best friend, or they would 
like beat him up really bad. I mean, just a lot of weird sadistic stuff. And I'm I'm I knew his brother Gary, and uh, he was, yeah, Gary was a uh, he is something else, boy. But that's where a lot of my uh, and I was actually my grandma had a horrible temper, and that was where a lot of that came from with my dad. So I, I have nothing but love for my dad. I totally forgive him. I got no. I mean, he, I mean, he about killed me on a few different occasions at least with just stuff he was doing, you know beating and smothering and all that other stuff but i have no unforgiveness to my dad i understand he had a really really messed up childhood and then he just continued the behavior and perpetuated the behavior and um you know they weren't christians you know my grandparents were like i don't know presbyterians or something and it was like low level they didn't hardly ever went to church and but wonderful people absolutely salt of the earth you know love both my really my grandparents on both sides of my family awesome uh anyway so i kind of got off on a little tangent there um so then isaiah eight twenty and to the law and to the testimony if and this is to all of us it says if they speak not according to this word it is because there's no light in them see that's always my 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 gold standard it, it, okay prophet are they speaking according to the word of god are they getting it right 100 percent of the time are they pointing people to god are they you know or anyone that's claiming to be a christian if they speak not according to this word it is because there is no light in them that's that's a really good test you know for anybody regarding any preacher Next verse, and they shall pass through it, hardly be stead and hungry, meaning now that we're going back to the, the, the rebellious Jews of the day, but this would apply to any rebellious, you know, Christian sect now, or, you know, that type of thing. Uh, they shall pass through it, hardly be stead and hungry, and it shall come to pass that when they shall be hungry, they shall fret themselves and curse their king and their God. God was proving them. He was trying them to see what was actually in their hearts. And, and again, you have to ask yourself the question, what will it take for me to give up on God? Because you may be put to that test, especially with this COVID thing. We're not even in the tribulation yet. And they're tightening the screws and tightening the screws on this. And I understand it could come in different versions other than them trying to coerce you to take a, a vaccine. There's other ways that could happen. Um, but when it when the rubber met the road and they were truly tested by God, their reaction was to curse their king and their God. And we need to, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, always purpose to bless our king and bless our God and praise his holy name no matter what. No matter how dark it is, no matter if you're getting ready to go to the guillotine or ready to die or whatever. Never, ever, ever give up on God. They that endure to the end, the same shall be saved. That's what the Bible says. And then the next verse, and they shall look unto the earth and behold trouble and darkness. Now these are, this is a nation that is in rebellion to God. 
Okay, in, in this case, it was the Old Testament Jews. They shall look under the earth and behold trouble and darkness, dimness of anguish, and they shall be driven to darkness. We're seeing a lot of that now. And you're going to see a lot of that among the vaxxed and among the so-called Christians out there that were 501c3 lukewarm church dwellers that never really had any real love for the truth. They, but they had a lot of pleasure and unrighteousness and they like to get their ears tickled and they, you know, they like that lukewarm message from their pastor. Now, I'm not condemning all 501c3 churches, but, you know, they need to get unyoked and uncoupled from the government. From the government, There's no Bible for any church in the, in the New Testament yoking up with the government to get its right to exist. There's just none. Or denominations, for that matter. But that's why the Bible says the traditions of God the traditions of men have made the word of God of none effect. 501c3, yoking up with the government, okay, is a big one where the traditions of men have made the word of God of none effect. Because it led to so many other things. Denominations is another one. Now, I'm not saying you could you, you could be in a denomination and not be saved. I'm not saying that. But I just don't think it's, it's Christ divided. The Bible asks. I just did that little study on denominations, I don't know, a week or two ago. You can search. You know, just give you the, the verses about it. So, um, all right, let's go further. Warning, don't confront a demon until you hear this. Go ahead and open up this video here. Okay, so this is David Hebner and Russ Dizdar. I'm not necessarily giving some blanket endorsement of either of them, but I think they, they covered some really cool points here, good points. What's the most important thing when someone confronts a demon? Uh, no possessed person has ever gotten free on their own. If you're evangelizing, you shouldn't just be handing out tracts. You should know how to deal with demons, right? This should be normal teaching and equipping. In, in a church? church. Yeah. Why would we think that if Jesus cast out demons, we're not going to run into them? Well, That's insane. Yeah. It's insane. And only we can do this. Yeah. yeah. You, you, Buddhists can't do it. They, they, they have no authority. You know, uh, a Hindu can't do it. A Muslim can't do it. Only a born-again Christian can actually cast out devils. And one-third of Jesus' ministry was that. And this is why you, you'll hear me come back to emphasizing deliverance. Self-deliverance, I think, is where everybody should start. And I've done many, many teachings on self-deliverance and what to do and the win whirly mass deliverance thing and those types of things. Uh, and then you can go further. Uh, but I think that's where everybody should start. Russ, you know, what really blows my mind here is that when Jesus walked the face of the earth, the two things that at least I know that what I get from Scripture is he healed people and he cast out demons. Sure. The modern day church healing people. Yeah, yeah. OK. But forget about casting out demons. Yeah. What is that all about? Has the church dropped the ball? Well, Jesus said, greater things you'll do than I. Mm -hmm. Was he talking about casting out demons? Sure. I mean, the, here, 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 look at the book of Acts. The normal yeah. church did what Jesus trained them to do, modeled, commissioned them, winning souls, healing the sick, demonization, powerful things, advancing, God visiting. Like the book of Acts, God's the God of earthquakes and angels, too. He did all kinds of things right. to advance the cause. Right. And the believers, they lived, that was the norm. So if you and I look at the church in the last four decades, the subnormal church has become the normal. 
wait a minute. The subnormal church has yes. become the normal? What, what does that mean? When people don't know what it means to be filled with the Spirit, they've never led a soul to Christ. Okay. They have no idea how to pray for healing. They've abdicated the role of counseling and send, counts, send all their people to secular psychologists. They don't even know how to touch on demonization or deliverance. And they barely, they barely would talk about prophecy. So the evidences are the church's services are pretty boring. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, where's God? Here's what I believe. If we're really the church and we gather together in his name, if we really do it his way, God will be all over the church. Amen. His presence, His power, giftings, His word, fellowship, Holy Spirit empowered prayer and intercession. Uh, look in the book of Acts, Acts 4, uh, answers right in front of their faces. Mm -hmm. He's there to quantity of fellowship with us. He's there for an embrace. God, you know, the Spirit of God, there's nobody on the planet that has greater power, uh -oh. greater insight, greater authority. And the good news is God wants to fellowship with us in our personal daily time. But when we gather, two or three gather in my name, Jesus said, there am I in the midst. Can you get any higher than that? So the, the issue is, we only we only go as far as we actually believe. If we you, believe, hey, you know Jesus is here. Right. Our focus. We're going to begin you, with not fanfare and all kinds of other stuff. They think the world would accept. We're going to begin with the literal, immediate, unbroken, unceasing presence of Jesus. He's amen. Here. We're going to honor the Spirit of God. Right. And so, His presence and power should be in every aspect fellowship every single aspect to when we're leaving we're like wow that's right god was all over this place today amen your faith has made you whole you you're only going to go as far as your faith right. jesus talked about that and russ here's the thing is we're spiritual beings having a human experience we should understand that we're going to run into evil forces sure i mean that's what we of course we run into angels and we and we run into other Christians with the good forces yeah. and the godly forces. Why would we think that if Jesus cast out demons, we're not going to run into them? Well, That's insane. It's insane. Because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Which means he's launching the church. And actually, anybody studying a little bit of biblical Greek will see this. I, am, I will build my church and the gates of hell and what's coming out of the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against yeah. this powerful, incredible church um, that he is going to be uh, operative in. So it's a massive, massive powerhouse, no greater powerhouse on the planet if we're, if we're aligned under his lordship, his word, and we come that way. If we come in that way, faith-wise, David, we're going to experience in our personal lives and in our corporate gatherings... It God all over. We us. wouldn't have these problems in churches. We wouldn't have the church. I mean, we would have some, but not like we're having now. We wouldn't have the watered-down church sure. churches. Sure. Now, is this a gift what you have? Now, you clearly God has has bestowed upon you a an anointing. Okay, I do, I, I didn't see the gift in the Bible, and maybe you can shed some light. Sure. And what I mean is yep. is confronting the demon world. Mm -hmm. And, and casting out demons. Okay. Is this a gift? Is this something someone has to be born with, or can anyone do it? Well, if you look at, if you look at all the charismatic gifting, the listings in, in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 on, you're not going to see it as a gift. 
Here's what you're going to see in Luke, Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Jesus says, for all of us, you, I have no more authority than you do. None. Okay. Um, he said, I, I, will give you, I have given you authority. It's in the perfect tense in the Greek meaning. It's a permanent possession. I'm giving to you. It's yours. It's yours right here and right now. I have given this to you. Authority to do what? The mission. Tread, trample, crush wow. the demonic world, mm-hmm. overcome all the power of the enemy, right. and nothing will harm you. Jesus said it. Now, this is why I'm so big on prayer walking and going to demonic areas, cursed land, land where a lot of innocent blood has been shed or wickedness is being and praying over those places and claiming the land back for Jesus Christ because the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all they that dwell therein. Satan doesn't own anything. When, when Satan's in the lake of fire, you know, 5,000 years from now, he's not going to have anything. Neither is any other occupant in hell. They're not even going to own their souls that are burning. They're going to own nothing. So I don't look at anything like it's Satan's whatever. I look at it like it's all God's. It may be defiled um, because most likely the church hasn't done its job, you know. Uh, But there may be defiled land and defiled things and, and things of this nature that allow demons and devils and evil entities to occupy that place and um, further curse it and further pull in more evil but um, this whole concept of what he's talking about I think is very important and in that context he sent 72 people to do it he did and they did it and they came back and said even the demons bow to us sure right sure they I mean submit. right right and so I could take an 18 year old born-again believer and train if you if you get trained right whatever this should be normal teaching and equipping yeah, in a church yep. sure every every believer should be able to do Look, this you go to a ch- but, but but see the the pastors for the most part by and large are so uh destroyed from the seminaries number one the cemeteries they're so destroyed from that because they've never been taught this even though it was a third of jesus's ministry you know casting out demons and healing people third a third and a third i believe and um such a gigantic part of of you know the gospels and all of this authority that's been given us they just they're not taught in seminaries to really operate in this the closest thing you're going to probably get in in by and large is in the charismatic pentecostal churches to this but so much of the time they're so far off in left field i know i've been there done it that they've their power is just corrupted because they're in they're into false doctrine they're into lying signs and wonders they're into pride they're into money they're into yoking up with the government they're into bringing all kind of worldly um uh, music in programs into the church there's so much leaven meaning in the charismatic pentecostal circles that it's negating any kind of power that they should be operating in most of the time they're they're the easiest churches from a witchcraft standpoint to in, to infiltrate because a witch can go in there and put on the veneer of being a christian and, and pray in false tongues and be cursing everybody in the church and nobody's the wiser unless there's somebody that has like really operating through god and has 
the discernment of spirits, and but I rarely hear that ever happening. Birch, and, and the first thing I want to do is usher you off into a room and, and spend an hour with you and let you answer some questions and give you some doctrine. Okay. It shouldn't be that way. I, I mean, to be a member of a church, sure. they should say, okay, let's talk about casting out demons. Well, let's, let's, yeah, let's, let's talk about being, let's, it, that discipleship is growing in the Lord, yeah, getting, yeah. appropriating everything God yeah, I mean, has. I don't think that's the first thing you should teach somebody. I mean, obviously, you've got you got to walk before you can run. Um and you build in 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 i just found the reason i came out a big reason i came out of church is i wasn't able to get all of these obvious things that the scripture stated that we should be doing and i'm not saying i'm operating in everything either you know um i do think i have a gift of healing just because that was my that's been my career that's that's where i've been pulled to is healing uh, I've had a lot of people tell me that um, my hands are very healing uh, as a chiropractor. Um, Taylor's told me that over and over. She says there that I have this, but I have never went out and actually laid hands on people. And and, and I, sh I, I should, but I'm so focused in on the ministry that I can't, I just can't do everything. It, but if there comes a day when that becomes my primary calling, praise God, I'm all for it. I just want to see him get the glory and the credit. I don't want to take any of it. Because if God uses me to heal anybody, and it's not me doing it, it's the Lord. And again, that's all about, this is the problem, you know, not letting pride come in. Not letting, oh, well, look what I did. You didn't do anything. You were just a conduit. If that happened through the Lord, you were a conduit. Give all the pr praise and glory to God. Because the Bible says he'll share his glory with no no man. So you you get to go along for the ride. Praise God. That that needs to be sufficient, you know? How to have the armor of God. How do you have authority? Why do you have that authority? How to grow in the word of God. How to, how, how to be clothed with the power right. of the Holy Spirit. How to learn your gifts. How to be a part of the Great Commission. How does someone, if you could, someone out there listening who wants to, they feel like there's demons in their household, there's they in the workplace, uh, God forbid, demons in them or around them. If they're interested in dealing with demons, what, give me some steps. What's the most important thing when someone confronts a demon? Well, being born again. If, of course. if you're not born yeah. again, you have the spirit of God in you. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna beat your tail good. Yeah, and we we read about that in scripture, sure. didn't we? Sure. Okay. They can do that too. Okay. So let's assume someone is born again. Yes. What is the key element here? Um, under the lordship of Jesus, your your relationship. The deeper your relationship, the better everything comes out. Okay. So what does that mean? Can you dissect that? You're, that for me? Yeah. That you're yielded. To the Lord Jesus in all of your life, renounce, you yeah. know, turn away from all the sin. Lord Jesus, you're first in my life. Like, like, like Matthew uh, six, okay. uh, seek first the kingdom and His righteousness. All the other things will be added. That's okay. the truth. Oh. So Jesus is first in your life. You love Him. You want to follow Him. You want to obey Him. You you want to walk with Him. You want to grow in Him. He's the center from beginning to end. He is everything. Okay, so this means that if someone is watered down, they're just going to church on Sunday morning. They go home. They eat their dinner. And that's not for you, okay? He will get the snot beat out of you, right? <laughs> and let me go a little deeper because I, I got to really dissect this. If someone's in an addiction and they know they're addicted, but they're not willing to give it up, yeah. and they know it. I've been there. I know what it's like. Mm -hmm. Do not 
try to deal with demons at that point. No, if you're you know if you're a believe a real believer, but, yeah. but what's possible like Ephesians four to grieve the spirit of God by through sin. Okay. So you're weakened. Yeah. If, uh, first uh, uh, Thessalonians five. It's able. You're as a believer, you can quench the fire of the Holy Spirit put by refusing to allow His presence and power to work through you. Okay, and when you don't allow it, don't mm -hmm. deal with demons. Right, because you're weakened, uh, you're, and the demons can call out your sin, and and, and, and you're dead. And at pretty that much, point. yeah. And you're fearful, and you're going to right. right. See, I've seen Christians run out of the room. Wow. Absolutely. Okay. Big guys. <laughs> wow. Big guys. Okay, so in okay, so you're walking with the Lord, uh obviously you're saved, walking with the Lord. Are there what what like before someone encounters a demon, okay, I'm going to deal with a demon. What what's some steps they can do? What's before, just before yeah. they go. Well, I, you know, overall, again, here I'm going to say this is very important for me. Overall, your relationship with Jesus and your and and my center is I want to be. And I told this in a, in a conference last week. I don't want to be known as an exorcist or a deliverance minister. I want to be known as a soul winner. Yeah, uh, that's my centrality. Right. right. So central issue is soul winning. But but if you're right. today, if you are David, if you're evangelizing today. You're going to run into demonized people on some level, period. You're going to run into them. If you're evangelizing, you shouldn't just be handing out tracts. You should know how to deal with demons, right? You, you're that's, right. Well, and, and that's that's how all the early Christians... You know, look at, here's a simple um, example. Mark's Gospel 1620 says, the disciples, this is given a whole, like a, the whole crew of them, the disciples went out everywhere proclaiming the gospel. Guess what else they did? There was healing and deliverances, right. and the Lord Jesus wor was operative, worked with them, yeah. and even did powerful things. So the norm, the normal Christians are seen in the book of Acts. Barnabas was normal. Peter was normal. Philip was normal. Stephen was normal. Filled with the Spirit, loving Jesus, winning souls. Every one of them could deal with demons. Every one of them could pray for healing um, and keep growing. They, they, they were, the disciples were trying to cast out a demon and they couldn't do it. And Jesus came along and he cast the demon out. Sure. They came to him and they said, why couldn't we do it, but you could do it? Jesus said, this type of demon mm -hmm. d d requires uh, fasting. Yeah. And, and that, that verse is, the, the fasting part is removed in almost all the new translations other than the KJV. <laughs> <laughs> why would they remove that part out of the bible well when you have like the niv new international version which has sixty-four thousand and ninety-eight less words it's that much it's almost 10 percent of the total text that they've removed that had um, on the translation committee a rabid uh, new age lesbian named virginia mullencott you could understand because these people are demon infested why they wouldn't want certain things in the Bible. And again, it's all the more reason to read the King James. Uh, but this kind goeth out, you know, but not but by prayer and fasting. So it's the only way this this particular type of demon could get cast out was not only with prayer, but fasting had to be done prior to that. And that's super important to know. There are times that's true. Now, in all the cases in the New Testament, usually there's not enough time. If a demon manifests, you can't say, wait, I'm right. going to go take a but half day and not eat. Prayer um, ahead of time. Right. But if I'm going to meet somebody yeah. or we're, like tomorrow right. or some of this, I probably, in a couple of these circumstances, will not eat for well over half the day or, or, or like many times a whole day or like okay. in the conferences. Okay. I will not... 
from Friday till Saturday night when it's all over. One o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, praying with people. Then I'll eat. Okay. Yeah. And Be what you always want to do is you do this before you go into battle. You don't do it while you're in battle. There's, there's Bible verses where it talked about they actually tried to go, and this is Old Testament, armies of Israel tried to go into battle fasting, and they got their their butts kicked really bad. Um, you go, you do the preliminary spiritual warfare prior to going into battle. And you want to make sure you're right with the Lord. And taking the Lord's Supper is also, I think, another really good thing to do. And making sure, you know, you're right with God and, and you're, you know, uh, you've you've been in the Word and you, you're prayed up and you got the full armor of God on. And, you know, all of these things are really prerequisites before you want to go into battle because if you don't do those things, then you may find you get your clock cleaned by satan's minions because you've got a big hole you know in your in your defenses as it slows me down fa fasting means you're setting aside things so you can focus on the lord and it does bring a sense of sensitivity your faith is a little more heightened and um so it's for your sake because your faith can be weak. The Bible says your faith can be weak or your faith can be strong. A absolutely. Mm -hmm. My last question before we go is, there's someone out there listening that's been watching the show, and they're in a church, and they've gone to the pastor, and they said, I, I believe that the Bible talks about deliverance. The I believe that Jesus, I know Jesus cast out demons. And the pastor says, I'm sorry, I, I can't do that in this church. Mm -hmm. What would you tell a person that's going to a church, but they will not embrace deliverance? Well, one of the things you do, now, I'm always going to say, ask, seek the Lord, see what the Holy Spirit tells you. You have, a, you have God to guide you. The Spirit of God can say, stay or go. Okay. Um, so, but you can say, well, how about this, Pastor? Let us start a study group on spiritual warfare and okay. let us begin to do some of this. Wow, I like that. Then it, when things happen, it makes a little noise, of course. Right. But people all of a sudden come forward and say, man, I got delivered. Praise Jesus. I'm set free. I'm set free. The testimonies start coming. And hopefully the pastor will come around saying, I apologize for neglecting what I should have never neglected. I should have been at the leading side of this. I should have been at the cutting edge. Um, Amen. And the same with the pastor. If a pastor's out there listening to us and he says, you know, my, my, the body just in the church just right. will not. I try. Right. You, would, you would say right. that to a pastor, there, right? There's, there's yeah. times that it's like the, the, the chosen. For, I mean, I'm not, making, I'm not saying this is a cliche, but there's times that some people in those pews have been there so long. And they have, they're, they're just kind of um, statues right. and they're kind of dictating. So the decision is in leadership is. Bottom line, obedience to the Lord. Faith, we're here to be obedient to Jesus and faithful to God and to pour out all of the ministry. And you cannot let that, you know, you can work with it. You can try to say, let's talk, let's do this. You can be, you know, you know, kind about it and whatever. But ultimately, you got to be, I would rather be fired for being utterly faithful to Jesus than to be miserable for years and years suppressing the truth and living in a boring, dead uh nothing happening 
Amen. subnormal church. Right, but Russ, anybody that's around you is not going <laughs> to run that risk, i got to yeah. tell you. I, my, I was at a conference with you, and my wife called me, and she said, I said, I'll call you back. Russ is getting ready to pray. And she said, well, call me back in a few minutes. I said, no, no, you don't understand. <laughs> it, it might be a couple hours. <laughs> when this guy starts praying, it just, and, and the power, the power of these prayers is David, just. David, it's. See, I, when I go to a conference like that, the, the, the speaking part's the easiest thing. Right. But the good, the truth is, the privilege is, we get to pray with people, and people come with need. We're there to labor. Have we forgotten that we labor in the Lord? Absolutely. Um, we've been in those pre, in the prayer part of it afterwards, up to five, six hours afterwards. Wow. Until wow. two in the morning or later, and that's and what wore out at times. But that's okay. what keeps those demons riled. That's what causes them to flee. That's why you can do what you do. And the, and here's and, the good news: I get to see people get saved a lot of time. You know, a lot. Wow. I get to see people sometimes. I mean, really get he. I mean, real healing. And I get to see people who had demons get delivered, stand up, yield to Jesus. Their whole countenance, everything's changed. What tormented them? What I get to see the power of God operative in such a way um, that it, it, how could, I mean, it's a compassion. Look at Mark 5. That guy, look at the, look at the, naked in the tombs. This is like a lot of demonized people. They're just, and they might even do harm because of the yeah. demons. They might do harm to others. So when we go in, and only we can do this. The demons we. know this. Believe, the, the real believers. believers. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. Right. Only we've been commissioned to do right. this. Only we have the authority. Right. Nobody else does. Right, right. And right. Uh, no possessed person has ever gotten free on their own. Yeah, yeah. Y you know, here's the thing. is, And I'm not, this. believe me, I'm not worthy to be where I am right now. And I know you feel that way, too. We're not worthy. Sure, sure. It's only through the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. But, Russ, demons don't bother me like they do i see christians that are scared to death they tremble and i feel i want to put my arms around these christians i don't say this boldly folks because i don't even know what i'm saying you would know more but i just grasp on to the love and the blood of jesus christ when i'm around demonic influence and it just always works yeah not too many things have worked for me but that's yeah. the one thing in my life that's worked well agreed and when a believer is growing in power uh, and growing in spiritual, everything in the scripture that teaches spiritual warfare will empower, embolden, drive out fear. So why wouldn't we want to go there? The, the biggest thing the dark side likes to do, even in leaders, keep everybody afraid. It, Don't go there, because no. then you'll have to deal with them. No. It, What's going to happen is you'll never get to see the awesome power of God. You're never going to feel right. power all over you in Jesus, you know, working through you. And you're never going to see the accomplishments. No. The righteous are to be as bold as a lion. It's the a, wicked that need to be fleeing. A, a, amen. When we come back, I want to ask you if demons... Okay, so um, then what I did, I'm... I posted a, a link to kind of like one-stop shopping and it's in it's the link is there you can look it up on contendingfortruth.com all you have to do is key in uh, dealing just the word dealing you'll find it or uh, proactive actions and it's entitled biblical proactive actions for dealing with evil entities and overcoming sin and um, it can be your own sin. It can be just sin in general, just sin you're battling. This document has taken me, I would say, I might not have started putting it together 
20 years ago, but I was in my head. I probably could go back 25 years. It's taken me to really compile all the knowledge to put this one document together. It's as close to one-stop shopping as anything I could ever give to a Christian. It's, I would say, apart from the salvation teaching, it is, it is. if I could just give somebody one thing as a Christian, I would point them to this document. Because it gives you this big list of things that you can do to deal with evil entities, to overcome sin, to get sin out of your life, to appropriate protection for you and your family, to um, uh, self-deliverance things you can do. I mean, it's it's a lot. How to make the holy anointing oil that we've talked about. Um, how to engage in spiritual... It's just... So anyway, I made that into a link and I posted it on March 20th of this year. But that is the most important doc I've got beside the true salvation teachings I've got, okay? And um, I would I would say, you know, you might want to avail yourself to that. Okay, so for the last little video for this part, because I'm going to switch gears in the next part too, we're going to play a video um, entitled Something is Rotten in Denmark. And um, this is, without a doubt, the most sick, vile, evil cartoon for children that I have ever seen and i mean they're incredibly liberal in the uk <clears throat> but then you get into like denmark and i don't know the netherlands and, and you can almost go to a whole other level there um <clears throat> denmark has some evil tv shows aimed at defiling children it's clearly a testing bed for the brave new world the hypersexualization of the youth is a depopulation method to redirect sex away from its uh, original, well, God-given purpose, reproduction, and steer it toward pleasure only. <clears throat> I'm gonna, I'm just gonna play about a couple minutes of this because it's about all I can take. Now, <clears throat> there's really nothing inappropriate that's said here, but the, the literal cartoon. Oh, how can I describe this? It's of a guy. <clears throat> some old dude, some old white guy, of course, with a, you know, handlebar mustache and, oh my word, I don't even want to say this. Um, <clears throat> his, um, uh, his male part is um, covered, but it like comes out of his crotch area and he does all kind of amazing things with it. And it's like, you know, it can be up to like eight, nine meters long. He's like a superhero in Denmark, Denmark for for this, um, almost looks like claymation. Remember like from the, the 70s, it's, it's really bad quality kind of cartoon, but um, <clears throat> I'll just go ahead and play this. So, a new children's cartoon has launched in Denmark and it has caused quite the stir. So, John Dillamond, which... Quite the stir translates as John Williman is a John Williman um, do my best gay guy uh, Willie I guess that's a term for you know PP man's PP whatever um, yeah John Williman is actually the I guess the I don't knock off what it really means a man with the longest penis in the world. Well, each episode tells a tale of John's penis getting him into trouble and comedy. Here it shows a picture of his, you know, male thing going out and out and out. It's it's getting 
longer and longer and longer, and he's walking a whole bunch of dogs on it, and all the kids are standing by watching this happen. I mean, it's so insane that you you can't even possibly comprehend what you're looking at. I mean, it's he's wearing this red striped. It would, it would kind of put you in mind of like um, old time bathing suits from like the twenties that a man would wear, like his like a tank top. It's a but it's like a uni, I don't know, unitard type one piece bathing suit, and it's red striped. And then the thing coming out of him is also red striped. So it's not like it looks um, anatomically correct. But the fact remains is that they're using this, um, obviously, what it represents. And this is a children's cartoon. And he's like this superhero that does all these superhero feats with his, you know, um, 80 foot long uh, male part thing. Situations. The cartoon is now he's, he's, he's jumping on it. Um, he's, he's actually doing it. Uh, the uh the high wire with his um man part as the actual rope that he's jumping on it's all still connected to him though but i mean this is literally a children's cartoon in denmark four to eight year olds uh, it's been a massive ratings here he's at a christmas tree and he's wrapping it with his um willy or whatever they call it um and um I, I hope that's not a, like a cuss word or anything if it is forgive me um but yeah he's wrapping it around the christmas tree and everybody's gathering around and all the christmas cheer and, and i mean he's there right there and you can just see it coming right out of his crotch area and it's you know doing his thing there success in denmark but is it appropriate no of course it's appropriate for children for four-year-olds come on are we so stuck in our old ways where we would even I, perish the thought that we're not all mature enough and four to five to six to whatever year olds are not mature enough to handle such a wonderfully appropriate and satanically hilarious cartoon is this now he's he's got balloons attached to it and he's floating up in the air um and all the kids are are, are there looking on well we're joined now by danish tv presenter ula essendrop and professor steen liv johansson professor so we've got these two witch uh most likely satanist women that are going to come on here and justify this sick debauched uh basically representation of like a child molester's dream you know because really this is this is when you really look at this what kind of sick mind would conceive something like this if you weren't a child molester yourself and to, and that the government would give sanction to it and it just shows you how sick and wick, wicked and twisted this world is becoming where this type of stuff is just allowed on public television. It's good for the kiddies. Uh, it opens up dialogues, as you're going to hear about um, uh, these issues with sexual 
uh, things of, of this nature. And you really need to be getting into those dialogues with your four and five-year-olds because that's super important at that age that you do that, obviously. From a satanic standpoint, um, I mean, is what I was really referencing to. Who are experts oh, in experts. Uh, children. Yeah, they're experts in being evil and debauchery and wickedness. They're um, pure evil use of media so good morning good morning, young children and children's programming can be brilliant at starting conversations you know we'll watch something yeah. as a family and then we'll go away and it's talk. so appropriate what a, what an appropriate wonderful conversation starter i'm just wondering what sort of questions will be asked when they see a show like this well my son is three and a half years old and he finds it funny but I'm so not she's sure. letting her three and a half year old watch this show you know this woman needs to get some type of mother of the year award that's all i'm saying i mean we need to stop the globe from spinning until she gets a mother of the year award okay because three and a half year old he thinks it's funny it's a great conversation starter mother of the year what an incredible maternal instinct to protect her child. I, I tell you, you know, my hat's off to her. Uh, from a satanic standpoint, my hat's off to her. She is, she is accomplishing everything Satan would want her to accomplish in her child-rearing abilities. He completely grasps what that eight-meter-long uh, creature actually is. But he runs around the house singing it, the theme song loudly and gladly. Oh. John John Dillerman, Dillerman, yeah, and and even has his little um, his his uh, weenie on on the even the the uh, the, the promo here. It, it comes out of the actual John Dillerman sign. So, yeah, John he's he's taming a tiger with it in, in that particular scene yeah this is that's this theme song for the kitties and um you know it's just a wonderful brave new world that we're living in blissfully unaware what the actual meaning is but i i totally agree yeah, and if you if you showed him a hardcore porno film to your three and a half year old he would also be blissfully unaware of what's going on okay but you're defiling the child at like the earliest possible age where he would have any kind of comprehension of anything and again this is what satanists and occultists do if they're really really practicing their religion the way the devil wants them to practice it is they defile their kids at the earliest possible ages so that they grow up to be twice the child of hell that their mother or their father is okay and jesus made reference to these types of things that, about the ones that go from sea to sea and whatever to 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 you know get one convert to turn them into twice the child of hell they are i'm paraphrasing but it these these parents are doing the same thing because they themselves are wicked, evil, and sick, and demon-possessed. They want that for their children. See, that's I, I can read between the lines on, the, on this stuff. I, I, I think, you know, it's, it's real pretty easy from a discernment standpoint to understand why a parent would expose their child to something like this. Because they're sick, 
twisted devils that need hellfire cleansing for eternity. But unfortunately, they're allowed to roam the earth and to bring their children up and, and to expose them to this stuff at the earliest possible age so that they themselves will be um, even more defiled than their sick, twisted parents are. That's my interpretation of it. That it's a perfect conversation starter oh, perfect. For, for children and parents. Perfect conversation starter. Talk about uh, all their curiosities regarding the body. So, uh, oh, Stan, yeah, you, yeah. Um, you I the... love the justification. Um, for that yeah it's associate professor of, so then we have this this lady that looks like a rabid lesbian and um she's she's gonna give her two cents Aarhus uh, university studying children's use of uh, of media you got two children mm. so they're, they're grown up 18 and oh, 22 I'm um uh, but so from from your opinion uh making the uh, making this enormous penis in, in fact a bit of a hero good idea yeah and this in this particular scene they're showing the he's turned the um the um phallus into a helicopter type of thing and he's rescuing children out of the water um that were drowning so he's turned into this superhero and his you know his uh manhood is his primary superhero power to save the children <laughs> yeah well I, I don't think, uh, as Ulla also says, I don't think you should think of this as a penis. This is not a penis as we think of it. As oh, it's not? I, I could have swore that was what the whole cartoon was based around. Uh, this is, why this isn't, is why just isn't it coming out of his knee? Why isn't it coming out of his chest? Why is it coming out of there? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not even going to let her talk anymore. Um, he, makes, he does bring a good point, the gay guy. Um, because... If it wasn't that, why isn't it coming out of his knee? Why isn't it coming out of his throat? No, it's coming right out of his crotch. So I don't really want to say anything more about this. It's it's just beyond anything I could even imagine. Any parent that would let their their child watch this and think it's okay, you need to be shot. Okay. I mean, you you you've literally forfeited your right to live, as far as I'm concerned. If you would expose your child and defile your child and have and be so stinking wicked and evil where you would think this is okay and, you know it's it's a good thing i'm not god is all i can say really good thing um one comment read about this because it's it's on youtube it says this is so evil that i can't even process it how on earth does this get approved it's literally grooming meaning sexual child molesting grooming in plain sight Okay, I mean, it, and again, this is what child molesters try to do. Um, they try to, it, when they're first grooming their subjects, what they try, John Wayne Gacy documentary that's out now on John Wayne Gacy. I mean, you look at the way that dude operated. You know, he dressed up in clown suits. He tried to, he tried to, you know, granted, he liked teenage boys. Okay, he didn't, I don't think he went after the wee little ones, thank God. But, I mean, you know, the 30, 33 people uh, buried under his, uh, well, they weren't all under his house. But some he threw in the river, but most were all under his house. And, but when they actually really questioned him, one of the police guys, John said, no, I think 45 is a much better number. So, he would typically groom them through like 
Well, being a clown, um, you let your defenses down. He would try to show them porno films. Back in the day, they were called stag films. He would try to show because he didn't have the internet back then. So they would he would try to get him alone and show him porno films, and then and then try to initiate things like that. Uh, he would try to do magic tricks with them, where he would put the handcuffs on himself, and then he would get out of them, and the and the the, the teenage boy would be like, "Wow, well, how, how do you do?" That? He says, "Oh, here, let me show you." He put the handcuffs on him, and then that was it. You're done. And and they would say, "Well, I can't get out." He says, "Because you don't have the key." And then he put a noose like this tourniquet around their neck and just start cranking on it until they were dead. And most likely he was filming this as snuff films and selling them. And most likely there was a lot of other people, high-level perverts in government and that had tons of money. I really believe John Wayne Gacy was a procurer of these boys. And... He would film their murders. He would, um, before they were murdered, a lot of times he would bring in his rich clientele and let them do whatever they wanted on the team. And then usually they would be killed and that way there'd be no witness and they would film it. And those snuff films are, are I mean, they pay millions for those things. I believe that's what John Wayne did. He had so much protection to do the things that he did and he got away with it for so long and he was so flagrant i mean the whole house stunk of 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 dead bodies of decaying dead bodies because they had buried the bodies so shallow in the crawl space underneath he had put 700 pounds of lime in the crawl space to try to kill the smell but they were too buried too close to the surface and 29 bodies down there you know so and he was just so flagrant. He, th- there were so many parents that had went to the police and said, my boy went missing. He worked for this guy. And the parents were like, oh, he's a runaway. And they never did anything to him for years and years and years. It was like he had this special protection. And I believe that he was working with people in government and in the Masonic lodges. And he was, he was a member of the JCs. And evidently, they're, they're, they're in that whole thing as well. He, man... Wow, the whole thing about the JCs. Wow, I didn't know that. Uh, Chamber of Commerce, JC, yeah. Um, he was using, he was showing the stag films in there. They turned this one particular chapter of the JCs in, in Waterloo, Iowa, into like um, prostitution ring and wife swapping and every wicked, evil, debauched thing you could possibly imagine. But it's the whole point is the grooming part. You know, these these deviants are, are always seeking to groom and groom and groom to get whatever sexual gratification there. Sometimes they want converts. Sometimes they just want to murder. Um, sometimes they want sexual gratification and murdering, like in John Wayne Gacy's case. But this kind of cartoon that we're talking about here is very reminiscent of of the kind of mindset that they want to turn the new the, the new world order into, where child molestation will be legalized. That's what they're shooting for. Where guys like John Wayne Gacy will be free to do whatever he wants. That's where we're moving. And this this disgusting Danish cartoon is just absolute 100% evidence of that. Um, I'm, I'm out of time on this segment. And so God bless you and we will see you in part two.